Welcome back to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, and I'll be joined, as always, by Dave and Becky. And as Steve Harvey likes to say when he hosts Family Feud, we've got a good one for you today. And that is because we actually have Rangers hockey to look forward to in five short days. When you're listening to this, the Rangers will be uh, preparing or, uh, you know, will be facing off against the Carolina Hurricanes in the first uh, game of a best of five to determine which team uh, advances on to the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're calling them the Stanley Cup qualifiers. Um, and it's going to be really against exciting. the Islanders doesn't count? Well, you know, uh, it's just an exhibition game. And as we've seen a little bit from the Penguins and the Flyers, uh, the Penguins couldn't even properly execute a line change. So I don't know how much we should be expecting in terms of excitement from an exhibition game. But Dave... Oh, so they uh, were the Rangers... They can't execute a line change even at game 45 of the season. This is true. (laughs) Dave, you seem really excited. How have you been doing uh, these last uh, few weeks, obviously, or a few months? We've taken a long break, haven't been doing the shows for a variety of reasons, but, you know, primarily because there hasn't been much to to talk about. But, you know, it's good to be back here and chatting Rangers. But, uh, yeah, Dave, how's how's everything going for you as we reach month uh, five here of uh, the COVID-19 era? I bought a house, I have a pool, I have a backyard, so as of June 1st, I am much better than I was in April and May when I couldn't go outside and I was my I was literally walking just around the 800 square foot apartment. Uh, I am pretty thrilled that I can go outside without a mask and go in a pool and touch grass and not have to worry about, you know, jumping to put a mask on when somebody walks by. Yeah, it's uh, you're definitely more well set up for uh, extended periods of time at home. So congratulations to you on that. That's great news as well. Uh, Becky, how has your uh, quarantine been? You know, boring. Nothing is going on here. It's fine. That's did, a lie. We did move into a new apartment, but <laughs> we yeah, did no move. Deal. Yeah, we moved in. Uh, what was it? The end of May was it? I can't even remember. Yeah, it was. And. Um, you know, like all of our furniture finally has arrived, which is good. And um, new furniture in a in... new place is awesome, by the way. I know, I know. We're old. and the baby's going to be here in a few weeks, which is really fun. Um, hoping that the baby has some Rangers. I don't even think the Rangers are still going to be on, but I don't know if anyone's still going to be on. Uh, maybe the Mets will win for the baby. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> At least the Mets are playing a game tonight, unlike the Yankees. Uh, yeah, do you and expect the Mets to win ever? Yes. It'll happen. I've, t- I've told her it's going to happen. All right, what happens first? The Mets are relevant or the Jets are relevant? The Mets, the Mets. definitely. Okay. The Mets already have been relevant in the last five yeah. years. Yeah, All the right, Mets were fair, in the World fair, Series fair, five fair, years fair, ago. Fair. The Jets are a lost cause, but we don't need to talk about that. There's already enough depressing stuff going on in the world. Um <laughs> But you did mention, Becky, sort of the, the tenuous nature of playing sports during a pandemic. Now, there's mm-hmm. obviously a wider discussion that involves politics and ethics and a lot of uh, big issues that I don't really think it's worth even talking about because they're doing it right. They've are all sports leagues have made the decision 
that they're going to try and do this. And there have been some success stories. And as we've seen, the leagues that are taking the bubble approach, at least in this country, uh, MLS, which was the first major men's sports league to come back. The NWSL, actually the women's league, was the first pro league to come back uh, of all of them. Uh, The WNBA restarted. The NBA has restarted. Uh, almost all of these leagues that have done the bubble approach have been successful. There have been very few cases. Uh, MLS had to postpone one game as part of their their 2014 uh, tournament down in Orlando. The NBA has not seen um, any positive tests, although there, there have been issues with some players leaving the bubble. Uh, contrast that with Major League Baseball and the absolute catastrophe that has gone on over the last 48 or 72 hours with the Miami Marlins and the Philadelphia Phillies which just shows the perils of when you are out in the world, how when it's not a controlled environment, how pretty much impossible it is to play sports in this country, the way the virus has raged out of control now for the last four months. So, Am um, I this out of touch that I didn't know they were the Miami Marlins? You are no, quite I, out of touch. That happened a few years ago. Yeah. Wow. I still do that too, but I still call the Coyotes Phoenix. And like, I still think the Astros are an NL team. So I like, you're, I'm not the right person to talk to about this. Yeah, in any in any case, I think the, the the bigger you know issue here is the NHL is doing this in the bubble approach, and you know I'm relatively optimistic that it'll it'll work, uh, given the evidence from the other sort of sports leagues. But I guess uh, Dave, I'll start with you. What do you think of the bubble idea, and do you have any thoughts if you've looked into some of the details? It's a pretty impressive plan that the NHL has put together, and, and do you think it can be successful? I like the idea i i don't like that they're trying to force something but they are taking the best approach and i can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth gary bettman planned this relatively well the Mm -hmm. league is they have very strict rules they're forcing players to, to abide by the rules there are strict penalties for not staying in the bubble they have Uh, they've coordinated the activities they've already set up the broadcast rooms the video analysis rooms they've set everything up they've already worked with the local broadcast networks to have it ready to go for the local teams at least through the conference finals this has the potential to be a solid broadcast of the playoffs And the exhibition games are not only an exhibition for the players, they're an exhibition for the league to work out the kinks over the next four days before the games actually matter. I am cautiously optimistic that they might actually pull this off and be the only sport that's relevant in August. Yeah, and I agree. I also think, you know, the NBA, uh, similar plan, although there's been some, you know, chatter from the players about, the quality of the food, the lack of activities, because they're kind of on that uh, Disney wide world of sports campus. Uh, and, and honestly, the NHL seems like it really went out of its way to make the players feel comfortable and feel like they do have options, that even though they are in a controlled environment for some of them up to three and a half to four months, potentially, uh, they do have, you know, sort of the amenities that, you know, frankly, millionaire a- athletes expect when they travel. So, I agree with you. I think they've done a good job so far. Uh, Becky, what are your kind of impressions on the the bubble approach that the NHL has taken? I think they've done a good job so far. I think it's going to be really hard, though, to say until we have several games. 
So, you know, with the MLS, right, we saw that they were also in a bubble. I think the reason MLB is such a hot mess is because they're everyone's traveling. And, you know, it's maybe less, not as tightly locked down or whatever. I think you really do need to have a bubble approach, especially when, um, you know, whatever percent of the country thinks that, like, oh, this is just life now and we're just going to go on like normal and, you know, it doesn't matter if people get sick. Um I, you know, I don't think it's going to be flawless. I'm sure some people are going to get sick. I'm sure there's going to be some some road bumps in the road. But so far, everything looks really, really good. And again, like, I agree. I can't believe I'm saying it, but it, Batman did good, I uh, guess. I want to just add on to the people are going to get sick. Yes, we're going to have a couple of COVID cases throughout the league. What bothers me is when people say oh we did we tested everybody and we had one positive case they've been isolated oh shut down the league okay slow your roll buddy one case isolated didn't participate in practice pause teams for a bit test everybody else on the team again just in case follow appropriate isolation and tracking protocols and you can Limit that to one case. Just because there's a positive case doesn't mean you have to shut everything down. Like The outrage on Twitter, whenever somebody tests positive for COVID-19, it's just infuriating. Smoke some weed, relax. We have no reason to believe right now that the NHL is going to screw this up. Yeah. So far. I mean, it's... Yeah, I agree. It's also... You know, there's just a lot of um, there's a lot of variables to uh, to this, and I think it also just it shows you that you need to have very strict protocols, and you need to follow those protocol protocols when there are positive tests. And if you contrast that with what happened in baseball, you know, and it's just come out recently within the last hour or so that the Marlins were out. Right, they went to I think a, a strip club or something in Atlanta. Um, as a group, and that's where they contracted the the virus. Um, uh, so, and then when they did learn of positive tests, they didn't isolate them. So, you know, basically, both the players and the league, you know, took the protocols and lit them on fire, which does you no good, and you end up with a situation where you look like a minor league operation, and that's what baseball has looked like for the better part of the last, this whole year. By the way, the way they handled the labor negotiations, the way they went at each other in the sort of return to play negotiations. It's been a mess. Rob Manfred should be ashamed of himself, frankly, but that's besides the point. Um, The other thing that's playing into the NHL's advantage, and they're smart to have done it, is they took this to Canada. Canada has this thing much better under control than the U.S. does, and that's, as I said, it's a wider political issue, but it's the truth. You know, sorry to anybody out there there who wants to think otherwise and, you know, maybe a, a supporter of the president. Uh, it's his fault that the this thing hasn't been handled properly, and it's the reason that you can't have sports. And we've seen that in other uh, developed countries, most of Western Europe, uh, Canada, you can do things like get back to some semblance of normal, including playing sports. You know, they, they successfully finished soccer seasons in England, Germany, and Italy. They're going to resume the, the, the UEFA Champions League uh, in August as well. So this can be done. It can be done safely. And uh, the NHL did the right thing, taking it to Canada in, in, in particular. I think that was a really smart call. 
not to force it into Vegas or Chicago or any of the other host cities that were on the initial uh, return to playlist. Could you imagine if they went to Vegas or any of the other My God. cities in the U.S.? The only city that would have worked for this is New York, and I find that to be hilarious. New York was ruled right, out yeah. on like day two of this, and now we're the only city that actually would have had a shot at doing this. I mean, I was in the city today, and it looked like normal times, and everyone was wearing a mask, and yeah, it's really hot. It's, you know, in the 90s, really humid, and everyone was still walking around, going about their business, wearing masks, being respectful of one another, and I'm like, yeah, it sucks. Like, it's hot, it's uncomfortable, you can't breathe, and I don't even need to tell you what being eight months pregnant feels like (laughs) in the summer, but... Wearing a mask is something that you could do to respect other people and, like, so just effing do it. And I think that's why New York is – they really slowed the curve and did a, did a great job. And, yeah, a lot of people died. So people are, you know, come at me about the death toll. That's fine. I don't really care. But um, I just, like, if you see it working in one region – you see something actually working, then what the heck makes you think that you don't need to do it anywhere else because it just won't affect you as badly? And I am completely looking at the southern states right now. So, you know, all the shade. Yeah, they led the charge. And yeah, I mean, look, I think New York was definitely slow to react. And and yes, there look, there was there was tremendous amounts of, of death due to the virus everywhere. I mean, there, there were thousands of deaths even in a place like Germany where they handled this relatively well. And, you know, I think, look, in in some ways, uh, people, especially in New York, are doing the best that 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 we can. Um, and, and New Jersey is included in that as well. You know, we're proud residents of New Jersey here. Uh, but this region of the country, as you said, has been pretty successful in containing the virus. And again, w- what that enables you to do is get back to some semblance of normal life. It's still not smart to pack into stadiums or pack into arenas to watch sports, but you can do it uh, in a safe way with adequate testing. And that's the other thing, you know, uh, the testing capacity in Canada is uh, in a better place than it is in the U.S., right? So whereas, you know, now there's this ethical dilemma for Major League Baseball where they, they need tests turned around quickly while the rest of the U.S. population is waiting six to eight days for test results. You know, the NHL doesn't have to deal with that. So so they really have done a good job. And, you know, my initial take on the situation is that, I, you know, I think this will be successful. I think they'll be able to avoid a major outbreak. I think they'll be able to finish the playoffs. Uh, I also think that they did a pretty good job with the format, all things considered. You know, obviously it benefits us as Ranger fans um, and it benefits the Rangers as a team. But, you know, they get to play games against Carolina and, you know, I guess, just want to we could kind of jump right into that now you know what do you guys expect from this series against Carolina what are your kind of initial impressions you know we can we can drill down into the detail as we go but just how are you feeling overall as you think uh forward to Saturday and and about uh the Rangers playing a game one of an elimination series for the first time in three years oh Becky you start with this one I got too many thoughts running through my head (laughs) <laughs> so I'm like the polar opposite of you. I I don't like I don't know what to expect from anything anymore. So I just don't really expect anything. I'm just like it'll be fun. We'll play hockey. I think the Rangers are going to play well. If you, you know, put a gun to my head who's going to win? I think the Rangers are going to win the series. Um 
Yeah, you don't even have to put a gun to my head. I'll just go ahead and <laughs> say that. <laughs> but, but honestly, I mean, just based on like how weird sports have been since they've been back, um, and just looking at life as a new normal, you know, just the way that we have to live life now, um, being completely different, and just I guess seven months of 2020 really bearing down on everyone. <laughs> um, I don't know what to really expect so I'm just gonna sit back and watch it and I think I'm a little I'm more not nervous but like more emotionally invested in the game against the Islanders on Wednesday which I guess you know tonight it's tomorrow when we're recording um then I am then I can even think ahead to Carolina which is this weekend which is only a couple of days away but it feels like a lot can happen in a couple of days so I have blocked my entire Saturday off to watch hockey. And that's going to be impressive when you know, the aforementioned pool is staring at me and I'm sitting indoors watching hockey all day, but I don't care. There's hockey on TV and I'm at you got to get an outdoor setup going. Uh, I literally just moved and I have spent the past three days power washing the deck and I'm maybe halfway through the boss. Good Lord. <laughs> Anywho... This is going to be a sloppy, sloppy series. The teams have had so long to prepare against each other that there's that little bit of gray area of coaching to overcoaching to crappy line changes to people forgetting how to hockey. And these guys basically have to do an entire offseason in two weeks and one game. But... I think the Rangers stand a chance against Carolina if the goaltending stands on its head the way it did during the regular season and if the top six outperform the top six for Carolina. Those two things both need to happen for the Rangers to stand a chance. The Hurricanes, even without Dougie Hamilton and Brett Pesci, are a great team. They're not the same team that the Rangers faced throughout the regular season. They added Vincent Trocek. They added Brady Shea. You know, it's a deep, deep team that can tire out the Rangers. And I don't know. I don't think they match up well yet. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I, you know, I think my general thoughts are excitement, obviously, to be able to watch a game um, and you know, get back into rooting for this team. And I think, you know, this version, if, you know, I was looking back at, uh, you know, we've done eight episodes of the podcast. This is the ninth episode. And some of the stuff that we talked about, you know, during those, uh, I guess that would be roughly, you know, 15, 16 weeks. We did a show every couple of weeks. There was a lot of really exciting stuff happening, you know, whether it was the five goal game by Mika Zibanejad or, um, you know, the great run that they went on in, uh, you know, January and February. And, you know, we were having legitimate conversations about playoffs and uh, it felt like, you know, it also is, it felt like a fun team to root for, you know, um, young, young team, uh, you know, really fun personalities with guys like Panarin, Zibanejad, uh, you know, Igor coming up and playing just incredibly in nets, you know, right away. So there was there was a fun sort of, you know, rejuvenation of the Rangers as a franchise after the last four or five years, which, you know, they really became a little bit um, stodgy in those last few AV years and then really needed to find their footing again. But, 
you know, there was new life breathed into the team, especially when the calendar turned to 2020. And, you know, who knew what a shitty year it would be otherwise, right? But, uh, you know, they were a, a bit of a breath of fresh air. And I think they'll be that again. You know, I think that it's going to be a really exciting series. I think it, you know, one of the things I can't get over, even though I, I'm sure the NHL and, and NBC and the broadcasters will do a good job, but not having the crowd in hockey is going to be a different beast. You know, it's one thing with, you know, a regular season baseball game. It's even one thing I would argue with sort of like your run-of-the-mill soccer game. I know the crowds over there are incredible, but an MSG crowd, the real thing, uh, even when you're watching on TV, just provides that added element, and I don't think NBC is going to be able to fake that. So, you know, while watching, or MSG, you know, whoever's broadcasting the the game. um, So I think watching is going to be a different experience as well, but I'm I'm, I'm super excited, no doubt. I'm Um, looking forward to this because we get to hear, it's going to be like, you're at a game where you have the sounds of being at the garden that you don't really hear at home because there's too much play by play over it and there's too much I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what the guys say on the ice hearing some of those pure sounds and as long as they don't try to uh, what are they gonna do with those fan videos oh yeah if they oh yeah! Shove like those fan-made videos down chance. our throats. Then I, I don't know. I like the idea of just hearing what everybody's saying. I, I want to know what breakout they're running. I want to hear them say, "Oh crap, who's in front of the net?" I want to hear them say, "Stall, stop snow angeling." You know, things like that. <laughs> I already like one of my. You know, I don't love the lack of um, crowd noise on baseball, especially. Um, like ESPN's broadcasting, which I usually don't find endearing. I've found to be even more difficult without their piping in fan noise. But one of the fun things is that you get to hear uh, a lot of F-bombs. So it should be interesting. Yeah, even with the five-second delay, they're not going to catch all of them, especially in a hockey game. There's no way they're going to catch every F-bomb. Like the chirping, like like old-school vintage Sean Avery chirping is what I want to hear. It could be great. And, you know, I I actually I wonder if they discussed potentially having like an R-rated broadcast or an R-rated stream, Um, because I think that I think that would have been really interesting. Um, You know, uh, I I understand that there's, you know, potential for guys to go over the line and then that creates a much more a much bigger PR nightmare than, you know, just an F-bomb would or something like that. But I think that would have been really interesting. you know, and Dave, I do agree with you. I think that there's just there, there's a fine line with with the whole thing, right? Because there were some, you know, I'm I'm a pretty big soccer fan. I watch uh, MLS a lot in particular, um, and you know, ESPN chose not to pipe in any crowd noise uh, for their MLS broadcast, and Fox Sports did. And I thought the Fox Sports broadcasts were way better. Uh, it was a bit jarring because it was so silent. And look, soccer is different. There isn't as much natural noise like you said there's no skates on the ice you know sticks hitting each other pucks hitting glass pucks hitting boards um uh, there is a lot of talking and but the talking was pretty jarring i think becky you felt the same way about that right you had some pretty strong opinions about the lack of crowd noise on the soccer broadcast yeah yeah i i mean but that's you know again and like no no disrespect i just i find that soccer could get very very boring and um so like if I don't hear you know I, I need some kind of like the chance in the background and like everything sounds good and you know, soccer and like all the fans are really 
unified and it just kind of it's like the atmosphere i really missed that when you watched soccer every night for like 10 straight days um but uh like in baseball i find it a little bit i think they're doing a little bit of a better job and then in the nhl in the penguins game today on tuesday that sounded pretty good i think yeah i saw a couple of clips it sounded you know yeah pretty good it sounded yeah and even the the reaction to the to a goal which where like the crowd kind of explodes was pretty well timed um i've heard it on other sports broadcasts and it kind of sounds really late and awkward timing wise but the nhl seems to have worked out the timing uh on like the goal celebration piece of the crowd noise pretty well um it'll be an interesting experience i'm sure we'll all have thoughts and tweets about it um you know as we go but back to the rangers in carolina um you know dave you mentioned carolina's depth uh the rangers you know don't really stack up from a depth perspective but they can punch above their weight in terms of the elite talent that they could put on the ice between you know their top their top six as you said but i really think and i'd, I'd interested be interested to get your thoughts as well I think Kako and Hedl are the X factors because I think all of a sudden that depth conversation is totally different if those guys make a jump and they've essentially had a full off season uh, and reports out of the uh, scrimmages and, and the uh, abbreviated training camp were pretty good. Um, what do you think about kind of those guys as as X factors in the series? You are stealing my post ideas. Well, you know that's what that's what I, we do uh, here, and you yeah. know then we push people to the blog to read them. Well, yes, fair. I guess now that we're talking about this today or tonight, I will swap out the order and do the X-Factors post for noon on Wednesday and run the goalie analysis for Thursday because we're talking about X-Factors. The Rangers' issue all year was that they didn't get any consistent third or tertiary scoring. And if Kako and Heedle can at the very least hold their own and match the scoring production of the Canes third line, then this changes the entire outlook of the series. I am under the impression right now that Kako and Hedl may chip in a goal here or there, but if they can become a legitimate threat to score... And with Phil DiGiuseppe on the line, he had a strong couple of games before the NHL went dark. But those two have the potential to carry things on their own without even worrying about a winger. And that changes the entire outlook of the series. But that also means that we're basically asking both of them to hit their ceiling after five months off. I don't know if that's realistic. Yeah, it's it's fair enough. Um, Becky, is there anybody on the team outside of the usual suspects that you think might kind of pop off the page and surprise people? Um, you know, and and someone who could kind of play that X factor role, if you will. Um, I think Gautier might surprise us. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm waiting for it, and I don't want to push because he's so young, and I don't want to expect too much of him. Um, but. I think he would be a fun X Factor player. Yeah, and he's obviously got all the tools. He's going to get a chance to play. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Lemieux is suspended for the first two games, so he'll be back in game three. Right now, the fourth line is Gautier, Howden, and McKegg. And then you have DiGiuseppe on the third line. 
So when Lemieux comes back, you know, how does that affect the bottom six? And I, I think, you know, what I hope happens is uh, David Quinn, you know, evaluates on the merits um, and gives whoever's playing the best the chance to stay in the lineup and pulls whoever's playing poorly out. But obviously the, 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 the guy who sticks out like a sore thumb from that group is Brett Howden. Um, you know, Howden just does not seem, feel, look, act really like an NHL player, uh, at least on a consistent basis. He's like one of those guys who, almost similar to Jimmy Vesey, he'll have like one good game a month where you'll be like, oh, I get it. Oh, yeah, he like can skate and he's done some decent things, but then he goes completely silent for 15 games and one for 16 is not good enough in the NHL. So um, I would love to see Brett Howden come out of the lineup uh, and have Lemieux come back in as a fourth liner. Um, but I have a feeling that Gautier may be the uh, sacrificial lamb when Lemieux comes back. But I, I agree with you. T- I think he's got great skill and, you know, he's got a little bit of the Carolina revenge factor since he was a Carolina <laughs> prospect. So we'll see. I, you know, I think I think he's potentially um, uh, in that group. You know, the other guy who I, I don't know if you necessarily call him an X factor, but I honestly think Ryan Strom could be could be a pretty could be a pretty big uh scorer at least for the rangers as he was during the regular season but you know you're going to get all kinds of attention on panarin strom's going to play a ton um and he's got good scoring instincts you know i know there's holes in his game he's not the best away from the puck um but he has you know not everybody that plays with artemi panarin scores 59 points in in however many games you know strom played 70 games so uh, I think he might pop up for three or four big goals uh, in a playoff run. He's kind of one of those guys that I look at that, you know, uh, could could sort of just, like I said, uh, provide provide scoring. Uh, again, he's playing with Panera, and I, I get all that, but um, I don't know. I think he could potentially have an impact. He's just got to uh, outscore Trocek. I think he could do that. I don't see why he I, – I, that doesn't sound outrageous to me. No, it doesn't, and – Remember, Artemi Panera and, and Ryan Strom are the second line for the Rangers. The top line is KZB. So that's a huge advantage. If Strom can outscore Trocek and Faust can do what Faust does, <laughs> then you know that second line is a huge win for the Rangers because then it's Panarin and nobody's matching Panarin's output. And the KZB line has the potential to match that Svechnikov, Aho, Taravainen line for Carolina. And again, that, that goes to the top six scoring. If the Rangers get their top six scoring, it's going to be an interesting series. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of fear that we will get the top six scoring, too. I fear everything about the Rangers in the playoffs. I know better. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I, I I am so jacked to see the top six. I'm so excited to see KZB. I'm actually, it's, it winds up being a good thing that we had to wait so long um, because Kreider's, you know, fully healthy. Knock yeah. on wood, knock on wood. I'm knocking on every wood. Um, F- freezing. I just... <laughs> Um, and I, you know, I'm just, I'm like pretty, pretty jacked to see KZB, especially. And obviously, I mean, like you're never not jacked to see Artemi Panarin play hockey. I, I could watch him like do whatever and be excited about it. So, all right. So I got a question for you guys and I feel like 
this question is going to make Becky hit me the next time she sees me. <laughs> Do you think Zibanejad, who was shooting what felt like 85% this season, can keep that absurd shooting percentage up? I think it's realistically like 19 or 20%. If he doesn't, then all of a sudden, let's say he hits a cold streak of five games, that top line ain't scoring anymore. That's a problem. Well, so you're saying that the entire top line relies on Mika Zibanejad being out of his mind good. Then what did uh, we what did we extend Kreider for? I'm saying the top line is certainly impacted by was this year certainly impacted by Zibanejad's off the charts scoring. Yeah. I mean, listen, he here's the thing. You're right, it's possible, but he did he was injured for over a month. And he came back and was like hotter than he was before, so it's a legit. I think it's a legitimate worry, you know, and it's it's something to think about. But I was very nervous like that when he came back from his quote unquote non concussion. Um, then and and he proved that he still had it. Um, I mean, a 19 or 20% shooting percentage is insane, but I also don't think that you're going to get the average shooting percentage with Zibanejad. Like, he's, to use a word I think is hilarious, he is an elite player. So. Yeah, even if he's, like, uh, even if he regresses to, like, a career average, he's still well above, like, the average player. And if he's shooting 12%, that's probably fine in a playoff series. You know, Chris Kreider, who, uh, Dave, I know, you know, you pointed out, on Twitter, and, and there have been plenty of video montages going around to sort of uh, keep all of us, uh, you know, keep all of us satisfied from a hockey appetite perspective. And I think somebody on, on Twitter put together a, a, a montage of all of Chris Kreider's playoff goals. And I think you said it, Dave, that guy has for now, by the way, for an eight year career, has come up with huge goal after huge goal after huge goal, just popping up in huge games and scoring at, at the most opportune times to, you know, start of game six against the caps during the three, one comeback, he scored like 15 seconds into the game, you know, third period, uh, goal against the caps, tying goal against the Canadians, just scoring huge goals all the time. So yeah, if Zibanejad's production ticks down, Kreider's an experienced playoff guy, Buchnevich is also fully healthy. I think again, you know, we, we were aware of the, injuries that had guys on the on the injured list and scratch from games but you know everybody was banged up by march and i think buchnevich was among that group of players and uh, he'd been in a car accident less than a month before the season ended so you know uh, yeah, it's only who a knows car what kind accident. of i like totally forgot injured. about that, that <laughs> i actually yeah. forgot about the car accident Good yeah call. 2020 sucked just sucks yeah. just remember that no, but I'm looking at Spanajad's numbers now, and his he's a career 13% shooting percentage, and that's on some teams that were not great, and that's including, you know, like his rookie year is 7%. Um, this season, he, his shooting percentage is 19.7. Right. Holy like He shot 20% this season? He wow. shot 20% this season. So even if he regresses, I mean, like, He's still shooting 13%. He's still shooting 13%. And and that was on some not, I mean, I guess the shooting percent is a very individualized um, number. So I I don't know how much this matters, but that was on some pretty terrible teams. So those videos, by the way, come from the Twitter account Baked Shesty, which is my new favorite account because he does a lot of video content that 
doesn't come with the side effect of supporting somebody who rips off another t-shirt design company's hard work. So yeah, yeah support. Also sexy. expert. Expert trolling of Islander fans on that account. Oh as well. my god, Just, that is amazing! Yeah, really good stuff. Everything yeah. about that Zabanajad goal that he keeps doing is phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's um, the one who puts like the Isles fans really like you want to look at this, and then it's that is Zabanajad's yeah. goal <laughs> oh every god. single that's, time. It's great. <laughs> that's so good. You know, it's it's an interesting point you brought up, Becky, about his shooting percentage and it being lower, especially when he was on, you know, maybe different in Ottawa or on different versions of the Rangers. But, you know, I saw Sean Tierney, who has been promised as a guest, and I promise we will bring him on at some point. He posted a really interesting chart um, that basically measured uh, the frequency of um, high quality shots as compared to like the rest of the shots a team takes. And it was kind of like, you know, in one quadrant, it was like this team takes mostly point shots. And then it was like a good mix. And then it was like nothing but high quality chances. And as you'd expect, the Rangers were like almost off the graph in terms of the frequency of high quality scoring chances that they generate. And I can promise you that, especially given what we know about, you know, Steve Valaket, the way they, he tracks passing and, scoring chances and if the rangers are using that data or something like it that's by design you know they are a high uh danger chance uh you know prioritize they prioritize getting high danger chances and that's why you know they they make the extra pass which sometimes drives fans uh crazy but also leads to players like Mika Zibanejad shooting career high percentages and Artemi Panarin having a career year Ryan Strom having a career year you know those things are that's not David Quinn, you know, David, David Quinn, you know, they don't really coach the offensive part of the game. That's what makes hockey so beautiful is that a lot of the offense comes off of creativity and spontaneity. You know, it's the defensive structure and the forecheck that the coaches teach, but the and Rangers are te- forces, the turnovers that create those chances, just right. But food for thought. No, that's right. No, that that's, that's for sure. But I think, you know, my point is, is that the Rangers let their offensive players create, right? They don't oh, just yeah. tell them to dump it back to the point and crash the net. And, you know, look, is that strategy one that might uh, have a hard time playing in the playoffs? Potentially, you know, we've seen over the years makes me throw up in my mouth, but that's how the LA Kings played. The LA Kings were literally, everything came from the point. They threw five guys into Henrik Lundqvist crease and they ran them over a couple times and that's how they scored goals. Um, the Rangers don't play like that. They are not a team that relies on, you know, a lot of point shots and a lot of low percentage shots and rebounds. They they try to score the pretty goal and they're able to. Um, and it and I think it leads to some of those, you know, higher shooting percentages that we see from some of those high skilled players. But that's absolutely by design. Between the four check and creating those chances and just the skilled players they have, it's a hundred percent by design. Almost as yeah. by design as a giving up the blue line to the opposing rush. <laughs> right, which drives you crazy. Um, every time although they I did... see it, I put my head through a plate glass window. I, I Marty Janetti myself every time I see it. <laughs> that explains oh, an... a lot, Dave. Yeah, it should. <laughs> um, let's talk about one more aspect of this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll start to wrap up. But the goalies, always a huge story with the Rangers, always a little bit of drama with the goalies. Looks like it's going to be Igor, but uh, I don't know. Becky, Dave, do you have any thoughts about the goalies and what they should do or what they will do? Um, just 
thoughts on the goalies because if you're talking rangers you have to talk about the uh the three-headed monster as it were i really don't want to talk about the goalies so i'm start all three of them um yeah (laughs) no don't do that i am gonna just sit here um and think about dinner and (laughs) let dave do his thing here Oh, God. I don't know if I'm the one to do my thing here. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. Start all three of them and then put Panarin, Zibanejad, and Fox out for the other 60 minutes. Probably win a bunch <laughs> of games. That, sound, that sounds sustainable, too. Uh, well, nobody's scoring on three goalies. <laughs> it's true. Oh, it's like, it's like having a walrus in once? net. At once, yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, I mean, I all thought... three at once. I thought you. Oh well, yeah. Also, Walrus and that reminds me of Paul McLean. So yeah, yeah I was going with the Geico commercial, but yeah. Oh. Is there a is there a rule against that? Yes, yes. There is a rule Asking for that. a friend. <laughs> I mean, Sorry, I think just... we all knew Shesty was getting the start, and once Shesty was getting the start, there's no way you can justify bench uh, scratching Henrik Lundqvist when. He's Henrik Lundqvist. You can't justify that. I'm sorry. Unless Lundqvist gets old yellered or pulls a hammy or gets ugly out of nowhere, you have no reason to justify scratching him over Georgia for the backup spot. That man is aging like a fine wine. Like the finest wine. He's aging like Paul Rudd. He's just not aging. Even better, I would say. Yeah. I think even better somehow. Can, can we talk about how Paul Rudd aging. doesn't age? Just no, because he is aging. Like, Paul Rudd is not aging at all. Henrik is aging, but, like, he's getting hotter and hotter. I don't even know how, but he is. I mean, you know, he made that uh, the team-issued polo and gray pants look uh, pop, which most of the <laughs> other guys didn't. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, let me just throw... A quick thought at both of you because this is quote unquote you know uh the first playoff experience for Shesterkin and a lot of the players um because it's a short series also do you think there's any possibility that say Shesterkin starts game one and doesn't really play that well Rangers lose they go to Lundqvist in game two 100 percent I think that might happen too yeah I think so yeah, provided he doesn't play well. Look, if he stands on his head and they still lose because they're the Rangers and they give up 9 million scoring chances, then I don't think you yank him. But, you know, relatively even game, maybe he lets in a soft goal, looks rattled. I don't wish this on him, by the way. But, you know, and, and I think even if it were a seven-game series, as silly as that sounds, you probably wouldn't do that. But because it's a five-game series, I think they might consider going to uh, to Lundqvist in game two um, if Shesterkin falters. You got to go with the hot hand. If, yes, agreed. Yeah, it, and it, it, it's like the one game play in that they do in baseball that that one game wild card or, or two game what whatever the hell they do. It's now. one it's game. One game. And it's yeah. the it best. is one game. I love it. I mean, it, it's great, but if your starter doesn't have anything in the first inning, you yank him. No questions you asked. You yank him. If That's right. Georgia, yep. Christ. If Shesterkin doesn't have it. Even in the first period, if he lets in two softies in the first period, you yank him. If yeah. Lundqvist plays and he, if Lundqvist replaces him and is just as bad, 
you scratch him and you play Georgiev. You're right. You you run the hot hand. I don't care who it is. You have to. It's the only way to advance. Like, I mean, especially, like, using the wild card. Yeah, people, like, can get fussy about, oh, you're pulling your starter after one inning, and then what about having to play the next game and blah, blah. Well, if you don't win this game, you're not playing the next game. And that has to be your mindset in a shorter series. Yeah. You play the hot hand. That's all that matters. If you have to go to Adam Huska, and Adam Huska wins you a Stanley (laughs) Cup, I don't care if Adam Huska is the starting goalie. He won us a Stanley Cup. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be a real turn of events there. (laughs) That would be, on the Vegas scale of things, that is like Leicester City winning. uh, The Premier League, yeah. Was it Leicester Leicester City, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, three, four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Was it like 345,001? Yeah, something, some crazy odds. I mean, yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm. I think that a lot of people are as usual and also because, you know, the traditional hockey media isn't the best at coming up with storylines other than who's starting in goal. Um, they've been beating this to death. And I almost like David Quinn looks like he wants to put his fist through the computer that he's doing the zoom interviews on because like, <laughs> not only is it a stupid question because you know, he's not going to answer it. Uh, it also doesn't really matter because it is exactly like baseball. It's actually a great comparison, you guys. I didn't even think of that. Like, I agree. If if Shesterkin looks bad through seven shots and he's given up a couple of goals, he's out. And all of a sudden, your plans of, like, who's the starting goalie, it doesn't matter. You go with the next guy. And then, as you said, if Lundqvist is bad, you go with the next guy, which is Georgiev. So um, that's a great point, and, and I think that that's how the Rangers have to approach this from a, a goalie perspective. Um, all right, so before we wrap it up, um, do we want to hazard predictions? Uh, Becky, you said at the top of the show that you thought the Rangers would win. Do you want to give us an amount of games? Do you want to give us a, uh, you know, a Mika Zibanej ad like fanfic here? What are, what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> if this fanfic doesn't include him spinning sweet beats, uh, I'm going to be disappointed. Agreed. I, I think the Rangers are going to win in four. And I think that the, um, the goal song should be uh, a Mika Zibanejad song. And that's it. That's all I have to say. Whatever, whichever one he released this summer, excuse me one moment, please. Oh, I'll get oh, back yeah. to you. It. Oh, no. I'll play it at the end. I'll play it at the end of the podcast, even though there might be some sort of IP copyright violation there. Oh, yes. I'm pretty By sure he's side. just going to be okay with getting the free publicity. I probably can put that song in. Yeah, I probably should. Maybe I'll like play it low underneath. It should our be our new intro. Well, <laughs> it's, it's by my side, and that that should be the song of the NHL summer. I like it, Dave. What are your what's your prediction? My prediction is we get a cease and desist from Mika Zibanejad's camp within <laughs> the first week and a half of using this song in our outros for the podcast. Um. I don't I, – I hate doing this. I don't think the Rangers match up well against Carolina after the trade deadline. You know, when Brendan Smith is arguably your best left defenseman. Yep. And when you don't know what your third line is going to be and your fourth line is centered by Brett Howden. And any one injury on the blue line means Libor Hayek is back in the lineup, 
I, I, I don't see it happening. I think it's a Carolina series in four. Okay. I think that's I, all I, fair. I feel dirty. No, Deep listen, Matt. I, I, I appreciate the honesty. And, you know, um, part of being a fan is blindly following your team into, you know, into into every uh, game thinking you're going to win. Uh, also, and yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm it's a classic that head with, versus heart. No, no, no. I'm just, for all the people that are going to go, oh, my God, Dave, you, you know, want the Rangers to win. I would love to be wrong. Shut up. I want to be wrong. Of course. <laughs> Jesus, just because Listen. I picked the Canes doesn't mean I hate the Rangers. I just don't think they stand a chance. Shut up. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> my cousin Joe runs Turn on the Jets, which you guys know, and a lot of people probably know it's one of the, the you know more well-known Jets blogs out there. And he has spent better part of the last decade writing about how bad the team is and saying, guys, I don't want this to be the case, but it is the case. They're a nightmare. Um, And yet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, Dave, you know, I'm really on the fence. So I do think, and I think the series goes five because I get the whole argument around Carolina. I I understand the depth. Um, I'm cringing at the thought of Justin Williams scoring in this series, which it's just... It literally makes me want to break things that he's on Carolina and the Rangers are playing him again in a playoff series. Um, Why? They do have great. They do have great depth, but there's just something about the weird circumstances, the goaltending, uh, the Rangers' ability to score a lot of goals, even on limited chances. That and also Carolina's play was not trending great the last couple of months. Now I know I said earlier that I don't really care about what the long-term kind of stats and projections say because none of it really matters after a four-month hiatus. But um, I think it's a better matchup for the Rangers than than you do. I think we just slightly disagree there. So I think they're going to win in five games. I think, as usual with them, they'll take it to the limit. I think once you get into the proper playoffs, that's where things become a little dicier. The competition ticks up, uh, and you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But Rangers in five. So we've got two saying the Rangers go on. Dave says the Rangers don't, but, you know, hey, we'll get killed in the comments for that, so that's fine. I'm going to throw something out there for our listeners who are better sports sports bettors than I am. Uh, if I placed a bet in Las Vegas in September that the Rangers were in the Stanley Cup, does that bet still stand now, or is it different null because of, like, the whole hiatus or whatever? If anyone knows the answer to that... Please, please at me. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I saved it during the move for a reason. Yeah, the bet slip you got. Yeah, Becky's desperate for answers, so let's let's help her out. You know who um, would know that answer? Uh, yeah. Fitz, the gifter. Fitz, he would know he's a better. All right. Well, if no one gets to me, I'll I'll have to I'll have to send him a tweet. So, cool. what were the odds, and how much do you win if the Rangers win the cup? I don't remember the odds. Um, Jess and I placed bets in September, and it was the odds were not like crazy, crazy good. But I think it's like it, we bet like twenty bucks. I mean, it's not a very uh, expensive bet, and I think we we would win like four hundred or four fifty. So like I Listen, could use that. that that's money. a nice night out. That like that's a nice date I, night out when you guys finally get free of the baby. You know, yeah, go buck oh, yeah. wild. Mom is going to get wasted off of one margarita, and I can't wait. So, okay, first off, we've seen me get drunk off of one margarita. It just happened that it was a 96-ounce margarita. 
<laughs> oh my god. That doesn't you threw count. up on the Long Island Railroad, which is That's because a I had the 64 ounce margarita after the 96 ounce margarita. <laughs> I don't how even know if that's still alive. How many ounces is that? That that's too many ounces. It's 160 yeah. ounces. I don't margarita. know if Blockhead still exists actually. I I don't know if like it existed before Corona even. Nobody should drink uh, 160 ounces of anything. And it's I think really that that's... stupid. I was Except also for 24. Water. I, 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 what was I? 25, 26. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how old I am today. So don't like. This isn't a good good question to ask me. Yeah. Becky's been there for most of my really bad drinking nights. So that was that's one what of friends. Them. That's what friends are for. Yeah, that is what friends are for. Yeah. All right, gang. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Margaritas are evil. Let's go Rangies. I'd say wear your masks and enjoy the game on oh, Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wear, yes. wear your damn masks, people. Seriously, yeah, my honeymoon please, got canceled four times. Wear your damn masks. I want to go on my honeymoon. Yeah, if, wear your masks. I, and Yeah, I'm telling you, if I could wear a mask, eight months pregnant in 90 degree weather and effing 70% humidity, and I see you not wearing a mask, I am going to shame you. And I have no problem doing it, so... I have asthma. I have trouble breathing by default. And yet I'm still wearing a mask. Shut up, wear your mask. It's not that hard. Do it. And then maybe we'll have sports like normal at some point. And like maybe one day we can all go to a game again. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be great. I can't wait to spend $40 on a hot dog and a beer. (laughs) Yeah, that is freedom right there. (laughs) All right, gang, Live from the Blue Seats is a production of Blue Seat Blogs. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We're currently available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and hosted on Acast. If you can spare a minute, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps other fans find the show. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Seats Live and check out blueseatblogs.com, the longest-running fan site for all things Rangers, from news and opinion to video analysis, and so much more. For Dave and Becky, this is Rob signing off. We will see you next time. Enjoy the game.